Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. I believe the Holy Spirit is God's greatest gift. And some might say, well, isn't salvation God's greatest gift? Well, I think you could look at it that way, but I ask you just to consider something. Think, think with me for a minute. Salvation is something that God does. But the Spirit is who God is. So we, through Jesus, receive the gift of salvation... But I say the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift because God gives us himself. The Holy Spirit is God giving us himself. And so for the next few Sundays, we're going to be looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to focus on this thought of God's greatest gift. This is my journal, one of them uh, that I, I have been using lately. And I started writing some things in it uh, when I uh, began my sabbatical back um, at the end of May. And I read a page out of it, or a couple pages out of it last week, talking about uh, my journey to, to watch the uh, Karen Carpenter documentary and the tie-in with identifying with things about the love of God needed in a life. This one is June 2nd, and I just have this, morning. It is a step of faith to really believe the Holy Spirit is in my life, in my soul. But it is about believing God has granted this to me. Willingly. Actually, it says so. It says, according to the kind intention of his will. I don't talk to myself, I write to myself. (laughs) According to the kind intention of his will... He has granted open access to himself. Mm. Dustin, it's as if he says, come away with me. We didn't even talk, did we? Come in here. Come to me. It's like God is personally saying, come and see. Come and drink. Come and eat. And so I say, Lord, this one thing I ask, and may I always ask. I know you have already granted, but will always grant that I may dwell in your house. But especially during this season, Lord, help me to behold the beauty of your spirit ministry in the temple of my heart. I have a list of the T. McGee Great Christmas Gift Hall of Fame. Uh, My childhood anticipation for Christmas in general was always off the charts. The kickoff for that anticipation usually was at the moment it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown was over. (laughs) 
And then I started awaiting the Sears Christmas catalog. Anybody remember that? Just to, just to, just to, uh, just to tell you, I wasn't the only McGee like that. My son Devin, one year, got the Sears Christmas catalog and circled all his toys and stuck it back in the, in the, in the mailbox for Santa. He just wanted the whole lot. And then Saturday morning cartoons went to a whole new level around October something something. Remember? Guys, you remember? How many of you remember eating the Quake and the Quisp and the, and the peanut butter crunch and the Lucky Charm, all that stuff, and watching Bugs Bunny on, and they, they turned it up a notch? Well, I remember one year seeing this commercial come on, and I was lucky enough to find a portion of it, and Josh and Devin were able to give you a clip. So I want you to see what is the number one Christmas gift of all time that Santa brought T. McG, and it's right here. tell you I remember I, I remember watching cartoons that Saturday morning and that bad boy came on and I lost my mind and I was a Hot Wheels guy but I heard I saw that and it was like Johnny who Johnny lightning cyclone racetrack and I mean it went to the top of the list and I remember it was the elementary school year 1970 actually uh, my sisters and I, um, we, we were not really given rules for Christmas morning etiquette. Um, my parents, Galen and Ina, they, that's not elves' names, it was my parents. They, they had like a soft rule, and, but, which meant we had no fear of breaking it. And so I remember saying to my sister Tammy, who was a little older than Tracy, I remember saying to her, we, we thought about, it, what are you thinking, 3.30, 4 a.m.? <laughs> thinking? And that... Because especially that year. I can remember wearing my brand new Minnesota Vikings PJs, going to bed, sweating to death. Huh? I don't, what was that about? The Christmas Eve sweat to death anticipation. I had it. I had it. I lost my mind. I got downstairs and Santa had set the thing up. I was, I was ripping those cars up on it at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm telling you. Never lose your kidness. I mean, we're boring as it is. Don't lose your kidness. Don't lose your kidness or you have nothing left. Actually, I have another part of the script where you'll probably find your second cue. Uh, Roberta. I found out that the ladies' ministry has a Bible study coming up, and there's like 50 women signed up. 50. Yeah. And uh, the men's uh, barbecue get-together thing next week, I think, has 40-something-something. 
showing up. And Greg, that, and Brian, that's because I guess they don't realize we're passing out $50 bills for everybody that signs up today. Because <laughs> we're going above 50. <laughs> the greatest Christmas gift I was ever given was on, in the year of our Lord, December 25th, 1989, when my daughter Savannah was born Christmas morning. Oh. That's right. <laughs> so it's like, Savannah... Johnny Lightning Cyclone. <laughs> Back to Ephesians. The greatest gift. You know what? You know, here I'm going to tie it all in theologically. Johnny Cyclone and God. The anticipation for the Holy Spirit to work in your life on a daily basis. May God open our eyes to the wonders of who we're talking about so that anticipation just grows and grows. In the book of Ephesians, where we've been, in chapters 1 and 2, there is this intensely impacting description of God's heart for people. Phrases that Paul captures like the kind intention of his will. Praise of the glory of his grace. I love that. that. That he longs, even before time began, he longed to bless us. Eulageo. Remember that series where I wrote it on the, wrote this Greek on the, Eulageo, where he good words us to life. Blessing. And then all of the riches, I did the series, Rags to Riches. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in heavenly places with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. For he chose us in him for the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us, according to the kind intention of his will, to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ, and it gave him much pleasure in doing so. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. In all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, which was in his good purpose, which he purposed in Christ, to bring all things together in one, Christ. Things in heaven, things on earth. And then he goes on to say, because of this, you believe this? Because you believe this? Because you believe this, the gospel creates this faith. The good news of the, the good words of God creates this ability for you to believe. God releases the greatest gift given. And Paul mentions it in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And we're going to look there. This fantastic letter takes us into this dimension of understanding the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit. Paul says this, in him, Jesus, in, in Christ... You also, plural and individual, you also, after listening to the message of truth, I love Paul's description of the gospel like that. The word truth there is not just meaning facts, it's the word aletheia, it means reality. In other words, after you heard the message of reality, what's really real, what it's really all about, when you heard that, after listening which is the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. Pistio, it means to throw all of your weight on one thing. Lean all in on it. 
Not held, I mean, you just dive in. You believe. Having believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Lord, grant us the ability to behold marvelous things from your word. In Jesus' name. I thought God was calling. <laughs> I was like... <sighs> there are all kinds of beautiful pictures in this passage. Given the indwelling Holy Spirit reminds me of the temple. Sealed, meaning that God the Father uh, calls you and I uh, in this, when the Spirit comes in, we're sealed. It's like he says, you're my, you're my own. The Father is saying, you're my own personal precious possession. You're my son. You're my daughter. Uh, you're my temple. You're my flock. You're my bride. And then the word pledge is a, is a, is a, is a marriage ceremony uh, picture. The pledge is a betrothal. In other words, I, I, have, I, have put, I have put myself in you to, to do this work in your life, in your life, but with, always with the view in your life to the full wedding day when all that you have, once the, the, the wedding day really comes, everything up to it, it will just be so intensely overmatched by the full redemption. And when the Spirit really lives in a person, one of the things that He does for us is get, get our eyes on the horizon in the now that there is a coming day. And that's an anticipation. Oh boy, an anticipation? The Holy Spirit sets our attention on that. Paul goes into this Old Testament imagery where you see from Genesis the Spirit and the Word matching in faith and life out of nothing coming into being in us. This, uh, this new exodus, the, the gospel of your salvation. Good news that God has come down not only to save Israel, he's come down to save everybody. The good news that God saves you, he delivers you. It's an, it's an exodus of, of, of deliverance from the, the bondage of sin and the dominion of the devil. And then this temple imagery is no longer made of bricks and stone. It's a, mo it's a mobile, living, human presence of God, mobile dwelling in every one of us. That's what we're seeing in all this. And, uh, and so that God has direct access to us living on the inside. And he's making us into each one of us his own personal holy of holies. As we live in this world. That's all packed in there. I mean, this passage is doctrine extraordinaire to me. And a lot of times when people think of doctrine, they think, ah, oh, doctrine? It reminds me of something the late, great Tim Keller said. He said, we live in an age in which the word doctrine can seem like a negative term, and yet it's simply impossible to live without doctrinal beliefs even if you're not a believer in Christianity. Because everybody believes things. While many do not want to use the term, all people, secular and religious, treat views that are outside of their doctrinal views as heresies. Right? 
He said, I've encountered churches that claim, quote, we don't teach doctrine, we just preach Jesus. But the moment you ask them, well, what Jesus? What do you mean by Jesus? Who, who, what does Jesus mean to you? They unpack it showing their doctrine about who Jesus is. Paul goes on to tell Timothy that not only are we to preach doctrine, we're to preach sound doctrine. And it's interesting, the word for sound means healthy. In other words, you don't preach a doctrine about God or the Spirit or Jesus or salvation that, that, it, that, has, uh, that has foreign entities in it that can cause spiritual disease. That if you lack spiritual vitality in your life, if you're not courageous enough or joyful enough or you're not filled with love and hope, it might be because your grasp of doctrine is shallow and thin or distorted and mistaken. I've found that of all of the areas in life that have been misunderstood, one of the ones at the very top of the, of the summit is areas about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? No? What's interesting in, in these verses is that the doctrine on the Holy Spirit is, is, is so powerful. We find out that, he's, that the, there's an inseparable bond between Christ and the Spirit. In Him, in the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There's a, there's a connection that cannot be broken between Jesus and the work of Jesus and the person of the Spirit. In Him, Christ. And, and it also shows us that the Spirit's number one passion is to magnify all things Jesus. We're going to take a look at the Holy Spirit because looking at the Holy Spirit can help us to come into the dimension in greater, in, in, in greater passion that he has because he wants us to, to, to be all about Jesus. I love the songs about Jesus today. And the Holy Spirit's all about Jesus and he magnifies Jesus to us and magnifies Jesus through us. But it's important to look at him today because he wants us to be fully functional as these mobile holy of holies without being ghosty and weird. The Holy Spirit literally is a down-to-earth God. Just like Jesus. What you find in this passage is, is the personal pronoun distinctive. The Holy Spirit is called a he, he's called a him, not a force or a ghost or an it. One of my pet peeves of a few, one of the top ones is when people call the person of the Trinity an it. Imagine introducing your spout as an it. I've been married to it for 20 years. <laughs> Imagine, imagine you're sitting down at Tony's restaurant and someone says, hey, hey hello, oh, I've been married to it. <laughs> Only the wife could probably get away with that. <laughs> if a guy does that, we'll be reading about, viewings will be at the Scarpelli funeral. <laughs> right? Imagine taking your kid into the doctor's office and you say, I don't know what's wrong with it. <laughs> Now, I know the Lord is loving and kind and tender-hearted, but I wonder if he likes to be called an it. 
The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, fully God. No less God than the Father, no less God than Jesus, and he is a he. Amen. There's an inseparable bond between the gospel and the Holy Spirit. People say, well, I, I just believe I'm a spiritual person. The, the, the Holy Spirit only comes into the life of which Jesus Christ and the gospel and the message of Christ has been received. He will not bear witness to any other word, any other viewpoint of God following God. The Spirit and Jesus are inseparable. We're going to look at the doctrine of the gift of the person, and then in other uh, volumes, uh, we'll look at the gifts of the giver, the gifts of the gift. What we find out is when we believe the gospel, we're born again, we're baptized in the spirit, we're blessed, we're built into his body, and he wants to build our temple, he wants to build our family, he wants us to become greater in listening and following him as a flock of sheep into being a beautiful bride. I love that song about coming away with the Lord and about being a bold army. I said last week as a kid, I grew up in a Baptist church. I love my childhood Baptist heritage. I love it to this day. I wouldn't, be a, I wouldn't be saved if it wouldn't have been for the Sunday school teachers I had growing up at Memorial Heights Baptist Church. Sonia Eisentraut's mom was one of them. It was beyond a blessing to, to have been in my Baptist heritage. But with that said, the, the focus on the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit was pretty much absent. And it wasn't, that's not a, a, a just a pointing at that church. It, 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 this was the way it was in, in, in many places. I do remember the, the, the attention to the Holy Spirit on, on certain occasions. One would be at the bap, water baptismal service where they would say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And up and down you go, which that's a great thing. Or uh, when the, when, in, the, in our church back then, they, they, they passed the offering plates down through. And uh, the, the, the deacons mostly uh, would, would gather and then they'd bring it to the front and then everybody would stand and we'd sing uh, uh, Praise God from... Anyone remember that? Good Baptist? Praise God from whom all blessings... I love that. I, I, that, that. That warms my heart. Praise God from whom all blessings... And at the end, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And nobody is a good Baptist if you can't quote by memory John 3.16. <laughs> For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believes on him will not perish but have eternal life. But how many good Baptists can quote Luke 3.16? Right. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There was really no space for his active ministry in our church gatherings, nor at the Wesleyan church, where God really got a hold of my life. But... The gospel was preached in every church I was ever and attended growing up. I'm so thankful for Cecil S. Smart, this old southern gentleman that would get teared up and just preach about the cross at Memorial Heights Baptist Church out on Old Town Road. And I can remember being a little kid and have my heart strangely warmed by that. Jesus was always honored and people loved one another. There was a love in that church. 
But it reminds me of what Francis Chan said in his book, Remembering the Forgotten God. And as a matter of fact, in your YouVersion uh, notes, I think I, I refer to that uh, if you want to do a, a deeper study. But Chan says this, to a frightening extent, the church has forgotten about the Holy Spirit. We talk about him from time to time and we believe that he is actually living inside of us. But what difference do you see between a typical Christian who has the Holy Spirit and a typical non-Christian who doesn't? I want us to focus on this, that the Spirit, though, is God's greatest gift. And I believe you can, you can basically say that's what Jesus said. On the night of which he was betrayed, before they left the upper room of where they had broken bread and Jesus washes their feet, he tells them he's going away. And remember, their heart gets filled with sorrow. And in light of that, Jesus says this to them, if you love me, you will do as I command. And then I will ask the Father to send you the Holy Spirit who, just had to throw that in there. The Holy Spirit who, what will he do? I love this, simple. He will help you. He will help you. And always be with you. The Spirit will show you what is true. Aletheia again. The Spirit will keep you in reality. There's all kinds of realities right now. Have you ever been fact-checked on a social media post? Uh -uh. Maybe you needed to be. Right? Hey, buddy, get your facts checked. Get your facts straight. Right? We, I mean, but he will lead you into aletheia. He will lead you into reality. The Spirit will show you what's true. The people of this world cannot accept the Spirit because they don't see him or know him. But you, listen to this, but you know the Spirit. He is with you who is with you and will keep on living in you. I, wait, 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 what? You know the Spirit. Jesus is saying, you know the Spirit because basically the Spirit and I, just like the Father and I, you see me, you see him, you see him. Remember he says, they say, show us the Father. He says, I've been with you all this time and you don't know me. Right here now he says, the Spirit's coming. He goes, I won't leave you. He will be, what are you talking about? Imagine what they were thinking. What? And he goes, I'll tell you when you'll really know. You know when you'll really know? When he comes in you, then you'll really know. I won't leave you like orphans. I will come back to you. I give you peace, shalom, well-being, tranquility that the world can't give. The kind of peace only I can give. It isn't like the peace this world can give. So don't be worried or afraid. Imagine Imagine, imagine having a gift like that. Guess what? May I introduce to you somebody who isn't outside of you. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And no denomination has a monopoly on him. Amen. Thomas Goodwin, another one of my favorite dead guys, 
Remember the week I preached on all my favorite dead guys? Thomas Goodwin wrote this. He's a Puritan from the 1700s in his book, The Heart of Christ. He says, in what way is the spirit a superior comforter to God's people? And, he, and then he says, it's as if Jesus would have said like this. He shall tell you if you listen to him and not grieve him, nothing but stories of my love. Imagine having a friend like that. All his speech in your heart will be to advance me, integrating my worth and love onto you, and it will be his delight to do it. I pray that you will leave this room today way beyond where T. McGee was when he saw the Johnny Lightning Cyclone racetrack commercial. You don't have to go out and find the Holy Spirit if you're a believer. He's already on the inside of you. Amen. Why not have a reintroduction? Well, can you talk to the Holy Spirit? Uh, he's God. Can you talk to Jesus? Can you talk to the Father? Why can't you talk to the Holy Spirit? There are these roadblocks, these things that we've subconsciously been conditioned in. Where you think, Father, Jesus, one thing, and the Holy Spirit, eh. I don't want to get freaky. I don't want to get ghosty. I don't want to get all mystical or all emotional. I'll just get emotional about the ravens. Or the Taylor Swift concert in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Good for her. I'm, I'm not knocking that. I'm just, I'm, just use, I'm just using that. I'm just using that. Again, who is this on the inside of us? There's so many times that I've forgotten the passwords that I needed to get on to a thing. And you, don't you love that, having to try to remember and find all you had to jump through to do that? We don't even need the password with the Holy Spirit. Here's what, here's what stood out, and God wants to stand out in our life. The love of God that's, that's, that, that just stands out the love for God and the love of God, the love for Jesus and the love of Jesus, the love for the move of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Holy Spirit. Because look at these passages Paul gives us. He writes to the Colossian church and he talks about his friend Epaphras who's just come back. He was sent there by Paul because some funky doctrine was being taught that was getting the people of God off track. And when Epaphras comes back to Paul, he tells them about stuff and he tells them, let me, let me tell you about what I noticed. And he says this, he also, he is also the one who told us, I love this, about the love that God's spirit has given you. So I can picture Epaphras getting back to Paul and he's like, listen, we, we had meetings, we, had, we talked about this, their, 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 kitchen, uh, their kitchen needs remodeled or you know, whatever they did, did back then. Uh, the, the whatever, and, but their mission and this, that. But you know what, Paul? Man, the love of the Holy Spirit was in the midst of that community. I mean, if I could just tell you one thing that impressed me, the love of the Holy Spirit was in their lives.
Jesus said, this is the sign. And, and when Paul wrote to churches, he would note things good about them, and then and other times he'd have to bring up stuff that wasn't so good. Uh, when, he, when he wrote the Thessalonians in the first chapter, you read it, and he's like, man, your love for one another wasn't just a shallow love. It was like the love that a woman has when she's gone through labor, pain, giving birth to her baby. The love you guys share for one another wasn't just in the good times, it's in the hard times. The love of the Holy Spirit in you is so evident that people all over Achaia are talking about it. And when he writes to the Romans, he says, I haven't even been there yet, but I've heard about you. We've heard about your faith all over. The love you have for one another, beloved of God. I can't wait to come there so that I can bring the, the mobile temple of the Spirit in my life and mix it up with the mobile temples of the Spirit in your lives and we can just have a steroid impact because you'll be strengthened. That's what the word we get steroid from. We're going to have an injection of grace and power because the living Spirit is living in us. And I've seen it in you. But then when he writes the Corinthian church, he's like, you guys have every gift available from heaven and you're fighting like cats and dogs. You're acting like people who don't even have the spirit. Because what Paul says is, the one way you really know the spirit's in a church is not necessarily, and we need doctrinal accuracy, not necessarily tongues and prophecies and miracles and all that. He said, the most important thing, the evidence that it's really, is the love of the Spirit of God taking you all on deep dives, not only into experiences with God, but experiences with one another, because you can't have one without the other. But then when John, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, writes to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, he says, your doctrine's perfect. It's bullseye accurate. All this, you're, 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 you can discern uh, false prophets. You got it down. Your YouTube uh, blasts on the false preachers. It's virile. It's t-shirts, all that. But I've got this thing against you. You've lost your love. So you've fallen from a great height no, no matter how big your church steeple is. Because the one sign is this intimate, passionate relationship with the Holy Spirit presence in your own life and present in the lives connected together. That's what it's all about. Jesus said, by this all men will know. How many times have you prayed like me? Oh God, just do an amazing miracle. Something that will set our hair on fire. Where, and I, I believe you can, but a crippled person, you know, and you pray for them and you can actually hear their bones snap back in place. I bet you if you did that, Lord, people would come even from Romney, West Virginia. <laughs> you notice what I didn't say? Just think if you were a pirate fan. I would always stay on that side of the mountain. Anyway, right? And, and don't get me wrong, we know the things that people came out of the hills. They came from Samaria. They came from Syria. They up, up above to see these miracles. But, but, but the, the, was it the Velcro that stuck, that stuck and took? No. But that boy, when, when the Spirit came. Look how Paul says it in uh, Romans 5. Now, these passages are passages to people who've already been saved and they have the Holy Spirit in them. 
And with that, he says this, a hope that will never disappoint us, Romans 5. All of this happens because God has given, past tense, the Holy Spirit who fills present tense never ending. I think it's pleromu is how you say it. Pleroma is how you say it. So picture if this was, this had walls on it and uh, sealed and we could pour water in it. Pleroma would not be water filled to the brim. It would be, this fills, would be water that's filling and flowing. Like when you put your coffee cup under your spigot and you don't turn it off. I do that every now and then in certain mornings to trigger my mind that that is how God wants me to walk in the presence of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit who fills our hearts with what? With what? Did you earn the Spirit when you first received the Spirit? then if you come to an awareness that you've drifted from love and holiness into all kinds of crusty, cranky Christianity and you feel bad about it because you really love God and, uh, you know, a lot of times if you feel bad, it doesn't mean you're not saved, it means you are. There's people walking around today, they don't feel bad about nothing. One of the signs that, that, that God's really working in your life is you have sorrow over the contradictory parts of your life. But here's the problem. In the church world, collectively, not everywhere, thank God, the message of what to do when you come to a place where you realize you have not and you can't, what you do next or what you're taught next is a watershed between works and masks and the joy unspeakable and full of glory. My journey into the deep love of God is all about that. On day one of my new life in God, at age 17, I responded to an altar call feeling a a magnetized pull from someone that wasn't in a pulpit. It was somebody that was in that place that I couldn't see. I know who it was now, it was the person of the Holy Spirit because that pastor, Pastor Wood, was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless him. And I heard it. I'd heard it my whole life. But I heard it. And I remember feeling this that day. The Holy... I remember as a Baptist kid that I might have been Baptist, but I don't think I was saved. You you might be Catholic, but are you saved? You might be a deacon, but... Well, I remember feeling this and thinking this. The Spirit is the one who causes us to feel the love of Jesus. I remember that, overwhelmed, because I felt the love of Jesus. I felt the love of Jesus. Man, I felt the love. I'll I'll tell you, here's how, I, 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 I felt like waves of washing were just 
going all through my being. I felt buckets of love uh, filling my soul and my DNA. And I remember going home that morning and in my heart for a couple days, and this is no lie, in my heart for a couple days, I had passages of scripture, not a verse, not John 3.16. I had passages of scripture flowing out of my heart and out of my mouth that I had not read in the Bible for nine years. We, they, would, they would have Sunday night church and they would have testimony times. They'd sing some songs. they said, does anybody have something good to share from God? And people would get up and share things, you know. And, 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 and from time to time, I'm 17 years old now, I would have this overwhelming power thing come on my life well up within me like I felt like I was going to explode with these words of scripture and thematics from scripture that I didn't go there wanting to talk about that wasn't even in my mind and in those moments and I would share those things and people standing and I'm not pointing me I'm talking about the power of the spirit people standing around me elderly people would start shaking and I'm like this is rock, rock and roll, man. This is crazy. This is cool. I didn't think that way, but it, it, my mind was blown by this intense thing that was happening to me. And it, I don't think that what happened to me is something that's an everyday event for most people or the, or the way that God does it for everybody. But uh, only God knows. I talked a little bit about it last week and I can't even go into the details. I didn't look like a dark kid. I didn't look like a broken kid. But in my soul, I was, a, I was a spiritual anorexic dying, starving to death, and nobody could help me, and I was aware of it. I was terrified of it, and in, and in, a, and in, a, in a couple of days, the, the love of God came over me like Niagara Falls, and I think it just shows me I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, and it's not a brand, it's not what you should look for, but I needed it so desperately, and the Jesus of the Bible that I, that I knew then was that kind of Jesus. No kidding. You know what? I went, I went to the Bible and found these spiritual, Holy Spirit experiences after I experienced them. In other words, I didn't attend some Holy Ghost power conference somewhere and got all jazzed up with books and read about stuff and then wanted it to happen in my life. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know anything about that because, listen, with all due respect, never heard anything ever taught on that growing up in church. My roommate from college, who's still in the ministry in, in the Carolinas, uh, we met at Southeastern. He was a Southern Baptist. His girlfriend was Episcopalian. You know, nothing, nothing good could come out of Episcopal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just like me, no reference points, no experience points of the dynamic minister's spirit. And God's spirit came on both of them in a powerful way, very similar to mine. And neither, and, and again, they're not every day, everybody occurs like that all the time, but that happened. God knows how to reach you. Uh, his spirit, wind, can come in hurricane force or gentle breezes. Massive moment, moments or long transitioning seasons from being one way to another way. But what happened to me was, as I said last week, I have this sponge-like soul 
that can be a great blessing of intensely being aware of the spirit wor world. And that sounded weird. Um, but I would, I would take things that preachers would say. I had really good pastors in my journey with the Lord. It's Pastor Butler, Pastor Owen, and it's not a reflection on them. But I read a lot of books, and they didn't have a lot of intense discipleship, people watching out for me. I just wanted to read anything about Jesus, I read it. Uh, from prophecy books to everything under the sun. And I, I, I became aware that I received either spirits from uh, uh, people that carried these legalistic spirits or I read them differently or, or received them differently. And to make a long story short, my life became so inner introspective that it was worse and more tormenting than it was before I knew Jesus. The most unhappy, tormented people in the world are not the sinners dumb and don't know. It's the Christians who know and don't know how to walk in the Spirit of God. Because now you know what you're doing wrong. Or you are so-called. Just a little capsule into that would be like even in my prayer time. When I go to pray, I had read a book about a missionary that prayed so fervently for the lost Indians that he melted the snow around him. So I thought, well, I guess if you really intensely care about souls, you just pray the list of names of people. If you're not weeping... If you're not melting snow, the devil would say to me, well, you don't really care about them. And I'd be like, I know. And that's funny. But if everything in life is in that kind of filter, the only thing that got me out of it, beginning to get me out of it, was our president of the University of South, Southeastern, Dr. James Hennessy. God love him, an Alabama man. And he preached a series of, in chapel on the Galatian problem. And I can still hear his southern drawl standing there. Oh, you foolish Galatians. And I was like, yeah. And it was all about, they had lost their joy. They'd lost their love. They lo because somebody crept in. Somebody jumped the rails and got in and, 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 and got their mind bewitched in the law of Moses and in legalism. And then he uses the scripture where Paul asks them, Paul asked them this, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing the good news? And then he says, having begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to perfect your Christian life in the works of your flesh? And I went, sure am! <laughs> and what a party it is! All you had to do to get me at the altar was just get up there with a little bit of dynamo in your voice and a little anger and thunder and start calling out parts of the sin nature and I'd be the first one flopping as a beach whale on the land. Moaning out to God. The whole room full of crying whales and seals. And thinking that's a move of the spirit. And you know what? You go down sorry and you get up with questions and you're not changed. Because that's a baptism of repentance that leads to death. And that baptism will get you dead in the water, but only the lamb can get you to the dove. Amen. Only the lamb can get you to the dove. And somehow or another, I got bewitched in my mind. I got my eyes off the lamb. And God, in his grace, began to, through a lot of things, and I'll talk to that on a time, in, in, different, uh, in different messages in this part about the person of the Spirit, God in his grace began to open my eyes and bring me back. Do you remember last year around this time I preached that series and, about the waves and, I, and the one message was on the surf, surfers? Remember I had the quotes of the surfers? Um, 
I remember uh, that, and, and I remember uh, it, was, it was the last sermon I preached before going to Scotland. And uh, the, week a- or the, the Monday after that, I think we were going to be leaving for Scotland the next day. The Monday after that, I came across this passage in a translation of scriptures in Ephesians 3 where Paul is praying for people who have the Spirit. That God, people have the Spirit now. Not that they don't have the Spirit. They have the Spirit. But that people who have the Spirit, because these are the only kind of people that this can happen for, have an explosion of power in their life so that the deep love of Jesus will be released in magnitudes of astonishment. And I got on my knees in my apartment and I prayed that prayer from that translation. We flew to Scotland. We got in Scotland in the evening. The next morning we went to a coffee shop. Why does the time always go? Does it seem like, is it too long? Anyway, we're at a coffee shop and it's morning in Scotland. Um, I get a text from Carolyn Butler. Carrie, Carrie, I don't know if you're here today. Are you here today, Carrie? Carrie's mom, if she's here today. I don't know if she's here. Huh? She's not here. Carolyn Butler was, uh, uh, Gary Butler pastored Central Assembly for a number of years, and she's his wife, and she's a woman of God, walks in the Spirit, someone I deeply love and trust. A year prior to me being in Scotland, she sent me a text one Wednesday and said, Tim, I just want you to know, I have a list of people I pray for, but I want you to know every Wednesday I take your life before the Lord and just pray blessings and anointing and protection and all those things on your life, which means the world to me because I know, you know, the people who say they're going to pray and there's people you know are going to pray. Carolyn Butler's one of those. So I'm sitting in a coffee shop with my son, daughter, and all the kids on a Scotland beautiful morning. And I get a text from her, praying for you today, Tim, that by constantly using your faith, which is a quote straight from that verse that I prayed in my apartment, you will begin to fully trust in God's ability to accomplish infinitely more in you until you really believe in the most unbelievable dream he's beginning to stir in your heart, which I had been praying about. And then she said this, never doubt that he has specifically chosen you. Never doubt his power to release the life of Christ in you and through you deeply. Never doubt that you can do what he's asking you to do. Praying for you every Wednesday as I do. Well, in that passage in Ephesians 3, Paul says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. And I just was like... That is somebody who is full of the Holy Spirit, who wants to be used in the Holy Spirit to be a vessel, a living temple vessel to do what the Holy Spirit does. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He lifts people up. He just lifts people up. Just like Jesus. I close with this. June 8th. This, this past June 8th. This is a year after coming back from Scotland. The intimacy with the Holy Spirit 
is growing and growing in my life. He truly will speak even at the breaking of my sleep with words from Scripture and pictures into my imagination that guide me to, it's as if he's guiding me to fresh fields and streams and light. The joy of the Lord is back. And I have access anytime I want into this grace. The joy in my life is opening up. It's like the door of an elevator as an image of invitation. And I'm standing in a hallway and the door opens and the Holy Spirit is there and he asks me, going up? In so much time of my life I've spent outside of the elevator basically saying, I'll take the concrete steps. They don't work. Has he not said to me? I, talk, I write to myself. Not by might. Not by power. But by my spirit. So why would I chip away, craft away, concrete away, build my way outside the elevator when inside is complete Sabbath, his strength, not mine, Doors open, Tim. Going up. How about you? I was talking to my friend John Dudiak, telling him I was going to blow you all away with my Johnny Lycan Lightning Cyclone TV commercial. And we got reminiscing about our childhood. And I said, I remember going down on the downtown mall when the streets were open. Anybody 100 years old like me? And you know what? My parents told me, you know, they, they had Santa, Santa helpers were in the stores. Now I'll really mark your date at Town and Country. Anybody, anybody remember that? Man, you're really old because I don't remember that. I just brought that up. Um, but my mom said the real Santa Claus is at Rosenbaum's downtown. And I'm telling you what. You know in the, in the Ralphie Christmas story, you know how Ralphie wanted that BB gun? He never touched Team McGee wanting that Johnny Lightning cyclone. And we go down that Rosenbaum's and you walk in there and they have the, they have, it's the old time elevators where it's clear glass and they have the like racky thing that the guy pulls back and opens up and there's a guy standing in there like Carlton the doorman and he's like going up. I can remember that and getting in that elevator and for me, I was going to heaven because I was going to go see the man and that's the guy that knew all about that Johnny Lightning Cyclone track. I can remember getting up there and he had the real suit on. Dude, I'm telling you to this day, it was the real Santa Claus. <laughs> and I remember, Tim, I, I remember sitting on his lap and he said, what do you want? And I couldn't remember a dang thing. <laughs> I was scared out of my living mind because I was in the presence of the real Santa Claus. True story. But you know what? I went down those steps 
4 o'clock a.m. Christmas morning. And there it was. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, and the Son know why you are outside the elevator at times, just like me. And here's what is so beautiful about God. He doesn't belittle us. He gives us aha moments to realize it. And then when we realize it, even then, he doesn't upbraid us. Even when we've really royally blown it, I mean, and what I've come to find out, the deep, deep love of God is after all he knows. He just says, going up. You know why? Because Jesus paid for every, every, every single sin you ever committed, are, and will. And his blood is full payment so that you can be sealed and be pledged and be born and baptized and built and brought into a place where the love of God continues to fill your life. As you stand, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would release right now into those watching, into those who will watch, those who are listening, those who will be listening, the people that are in this room. that they would be able to see with the eye of their faith. The God of heaven, and on his face you can tell the kind intention of his will, who just says to you, come away with me. Come up here. Come on in. You who have no money, come. You who have no money, Come and drink. Come and eat. Come and be loved. This is the gift of all gifts. For those who believe in Jesus and receive Christ's finished work, the Father, as Jesus said, longs to give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. And if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, Jesus says to you, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks and keeps asking, keeps receiving. Everyone who seeks and keeps seeking, keeps finding. And everyone who keeps knocking, to them the door will continually be opened. For which one of you, if your child asks you for a fish, would give him a snake? Or if asks for bread, would give them a stone? If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
It's a continual giving of flowing love to you. Father God, I pray right now you'd release in this room as we open the door of our heart, not to a thing, not to a force, not to a feeling, but to the person who may already dwell within. And if not, right now we just say, come. Come, Father. Come, Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. Out of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is God on earth. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is the right hand. And the Holy Spirit is God on earth. He's the down-to-earth already God. And you just welcome him in. Father God, I pray right now to give people eyes to see, faith to believe, and an intense thirst to receive. We just pray you'd minister the gifts and the healing rivers and streams of the Holy Spirit to every open heart in Jesus' name.